0: Welcome to the Adventure Mechanics SideQuest, and once again, it's just me, Chandler. As we prepared for upcoming mainline episodes, I couldn't help but notice that the two games we were playing were case studies on each side of the polished innovation spectrum. On one hand, the super polished Forza 4 Horizons has almost no innovation and only polish. On the other hand, Phasmophobia is very innovative, but it is extremely janky and has almost no polish. Now, before you say it, yes, these games are in completely different genres, and the developers have vastly different resources at their disposal. That being said, they do highlight what I see as the balancing of polish and innovation. Today, I wanted to talk about this somewhat subtle issue in game design. First, let's define some terms. For the purpose of this episode, when I say innovation, I mean a new or novel take on artwork, mechanics, soundscape, or whatever else is being done in the game. Innovation doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be completely unique in this case, only that whatever idea is implemented hasn't been commonly used in similar games. Polish in this context is how much effort is put into making the existing game assets or mechanics sound, look, or feel better. For a case study on Polish, I'll link to a game developer's conference from the art director of the Forza Motorsport series, Matt Collins, where he talks about refining the art direction for the series. So, what do I mean about the polish slash innovation spectrum? Well, in an ideal world, the development team would have infinite resources and would be able to both innovate and polish to create their perfect game. We all know that doesn't happen in the real world, though. So, what balance is to be made? Well, it depends on how much time is dedicated to each aspect, innovating or polishing what is already in the game. The right balance between the two will vary wildly from project to project. In a more mature project, like a game sequel in a long-running series, for instance, innovation may be small and not take up much time for the team to complete. With new intellectual property, on the other hand, the team may need to spend more time on innovation before starting the polishing stage. Knowing when to call it on one and start on the other is a tricky art to master. In the Forza series, it's obvious that the genre is mature along with the series itself innovation isn't going to come in the form of radically different gameplay or a wholly new art style like cell shading for example If you look at the changes visible between forza horizon 3 and forza horizon 4 The lion's share of them are in different cars a new location quality of life updates And if you're looking really closely Subtle changes on how the screen is optimized and drawn These all don't seem radical and that's for a reason with such a storied franchise Major changes in innovations are going to risk turning away established players. In this specific case, most innovation has been optimizing the workflow for the team, something that almost no player will be able to see unless they're counting down the days to play the game. Uh, As a side note, if you are one of those players, perhaps you should look into QA as a career. Having an eye for detail that fine is a hard skill to master. Let's get back on topic, though. If your genre is resistant to change, or you can't touch what's already there in any meaningful way, what can you do to improve? Well, that's polish. It's not sexy, it's not going to get people fawning over your game. It will, however, make sure that what is there will shine. Applying that to, well, that and an annoying amount of Skinner boxes added to motivate the lizard brain to play it more than the content included can really support. In this context, it only highlights the need for highly polished products, so I'll save all my other opinions of Skinner boxes in this game for the episode on it. It's about keeping the players playing, and a well-polished game will keep them playing longer. Polish in this example is king. Innovation is going to be incremental at best. With the other example, Phasmophobia, it has no name to live up to. It can't rely on older entries or IP that can carry a mediocre game to success. What did the f- developer do? He had to come up with something innovative and do a very smart marketing campaign to succeed. From what I've seen of the ghost hunting game genre, most have the player or players combating the ghosts after they're found. Ripping that mechanic out of phasmophobia was a good change. Coupling it with Windows 10 built-in voice-to-text and leveraging that to communicate with the ghost directly is downright genius. The strange attractor in this game is almost too much for a large swath of players. It does get them to play it though, and that's the point. They tried out the game and, perhaps more importantly, got their friends to play it with them too. That's huge. It's one thing to satisfy one player, it's another thing entirely to get them to be a fan of the game where they want to push their friends to play it, too. So, Phasmophobia is innovative and it's got a huge player base. What's not to like? Polish and content. The game has issues, and many players will get bored of it after about a dozen or so rounds of investigating. The rest of the content just isn't there to keep them in the long run. Coupled with janky animation and a host of bugs, it does risk turning away more enthusiastic players and losing the community that has cropped up around it. It may not be fair to say that of a game that is nominally in early access, but it is something that a developer should keep in mind. Doubly so when the game ends up with such a wide appeal and needs to have a lot of players to make sure the lobbies aren't empty. The other risk is transitioning over to polishing too soon. If there aren't enough innovative things there first, or maybe not enough content, there may not be enough to polish to make a game truly complete. For Phasmophobia, this means not having enough maps, tools, ghosts, or other things to keep the player base playing longer. If the developer transitions too quickly to polishing what's there, they risk turning off the players who felt like they've seen it all before. They may then have to go back and do another cycle of innovation to attract them back is a hazard of early access specifically, but the transition between innovating and polishing can still be painful, even for a hobbyist scrub like myself. I always find that it's a challenge to change between the modes, and it only slows me down. Your experiences may vary, though. One trap that I've personally experienced, and seen others fall into as well, is assuming that once the innovative core of the game is done, it's about 80-90% to done. If you're lucky, you're about halfway done. New content, polishing that animation, re-recording that sound for the millionth time, all take up a shocking amount of time. For me, it ends up being about 10% coming up with that innovative core and 90% polishing what I've made. I tend to be a much slower artist and will rework my code multiple times before I'm really happy with it. With all that in mind, I can start really budgeting what time is needed to get my idea across the line. I'm not even done putting all that I want in for the mapper, so by my own math, this is going to be taking a long time. Well, I guess it's time to finally apply what I've been ranting about to the mapper. Obviously, since I'm not done implementing all that I want, I'm still in the implement and innovate mode. That being said, I think that what I've been calling the map space is pretty much ready for polish. The core of what's interesting is already in place, so I'll be putting it on the back burner and only touching it to add a few features from feedback in the near future. What's really been taking up most of my available development time has actually been from what I'm calling the meat space, where the player moves their avatar around the world and interacts with it. This is going to take a lot more time testing and experimenting with a variety of ideas to really come up with what I want it to be. Although more prototyping than innovating, it's still what the game needs to get it really where I need it. I've kind of been going through this episode almost using the terms prototyping and innovating interchangeably, so there's always that. Keep in mind that prototyping is only part of innovating. You may find yourself playing other games for inspiration, reading, or even just daydreaming when you end up innovating. By my estimation, prototyping is more so the act of making what you innovate on. Uh, that's about all I have for this topic for now. I'm sure I'll have something later as I work through the map or more. As always, if you have any comments, feedback, or whatever on this episode, let me know. You can leave a comment on the episode proper, or you can reach out to me on Twitter as at JCSuron. This has been the Adventure Mechanic SideQuest, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.